Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched And You Thought Your Parents Were Weird. And You Thought Your Parents Were Weird tells the story of two young brothers who are working on a top-secret robot. They're making progress, but something is missing. Then one night, older brother Josh, played by Joshua John Miller, goes to a Halloween party and accidentally summons the spirit of his dead father. The next morning, the robot works perfectly with Dad, voiced by Alan Thicke, taking control, but that leads to other problems. Screenplay by Tony Cookson, directed by Tony Cookson, and released on November 15th, 1991. Have you heard of this movie before? And again, I'll, I'm sure you haven't seen it, probably. I've heard of this movie, and I thought I saw it, but I'm getting this movie confused with another... Short 19- Circuit? Short Circuit 2? No, another <laughs> 1991 movie. Oh, really? Okay. That, yeah, I, I thought that movie was this, I guess, or this movie was that. My and Stepmother it's, is an Alien? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've heard of it. I just, yeah, I've never seen it. I, I don't think I've heard of it either, but when I was making the list for this, it's one that stood out as being intriguing. You know, like you have uh, Alan Thicke is the voice of this robot dad in a weird kids movie. I don't know. It just seemed like a very 90s yeah. type of a movie. I'm like, ooh this might be fun um it was i thought it was fun it's not oh, good yeah. <laughs> yeah, no it's not but it's like i was this on usa up all night i don't know i don't have that list in front of but me. i feel like this is too family because i feel like weird movies were on usa up all night but this movie is weird they do have some, you know, non-adult stuff that appeared on USA Up All Night, but this is very, very kid-oriented, so I'd be surprised yeah. if it was part and of that. And then I was thinking, so this was released in the theaters? At least briefly, or like with a very limited scope, because it does have a box office performance listed of $402,000, making it number 204 on our list of... I was just thinking about, I mean, this is kind of, I was just thinking of maybe this is like a TBS. Or it looks like, yeah, like a family channel thing back when, Yeah, you know. yeah. like a made-for-TV TV movie. I just don't really, I don't know. It's just, I think it's funny that it was released in the theaters. It, it, it must have been very limited, like New York, L.A., maybe for like a weekend or two, and that's it. That's the only thing I could think of. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, it looks and feels like a direct-to-video movie or a budget cable TV movie. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's 
it's not that far removed from what you would see from like early Disney TV movies with the low production value of like a Halloween town or something like that. Um, But yeah, it's, it's not, that's not why you're going to see this movie. This is something to placate the kids and keep them busy for an hour and a half. Right. And that's about all. The story is extremely basic. Does not have to make a whole lick of sense. I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because, you know, it's sort of like structured in such a way that you have like main beats of a movie. But who cares if the plot makes sense? Because you're showing it to your six-year-old kid who's not going to remember things a half Yeah, you're just going to be like, anyway. oh, that's a cool robot. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Which, is it? <laughs> is well, it a cool I mean, robot? It's doing chores and stuff. It looks like, um, did you ever watch the cartoon Mask? It was about, it was sort of a Transformers, GoBots type of a movie, or show where you had cars that could turn into weapons. Oh, no. With the power of people putting on their masks. Okay. And in there was a robot that you know also doubled as like a scooter for the main hero's son so it, it looked like that because it's it, this is literally uh what do they call this robot newman mm-hmm. newman is literally a shop vac with like a colander on its head yeah and he, like they use those extender lights as his arms yeah. You know those lights that you put over your bed? Yeah, like bendable lamps. Yeah, yeah. Those types of... Those are his arms. Mechanisms with, with garden gloves on top. Yes, for uh, his fingers. <laughs> with felt on the fingers, mm-hmm. so he knows how hard to squeeze, because the felt is attached, and on the other side are microphones, right? And so when you get closer to gripping something the microphone will rub up against the felt and send signals to the robot's brain to tell it when to stop squeezing that's that's the kind of high-tech knowledge that you're going to learn about science in this movie that this 15 year old (laughs) knows about yeah just completely made up bs is basically (laughs) what this is uh yeah, like try to make it pick up that screwdriver and he just types a couple sentences on the keyboard and it's like, oh no, that didn't work. Oops. Right. I was expecting a little bit more special effects, I guess, maybe in this as well. We really only see anything uh, when the only well there isn't the really. dad comes in from when outer space slash heaven. <laughs> Yeah, when they do the seance and then he possesses. <laughs> yeah, it's just Newman. that brief, brief scene. Where and I was getting confused. Newman. So like, it's like it's the robot share. So the father, <laughs> Alan Thicke, shares the same quote mind as Newman because the robot can switch back and forth between being Newman and then the father. Yeah, and then. When, you know, near the end, when he's gone, Newman even says he's gone. Yeah. Newman can sense him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I don't, like, 
But then he Can comes he? back for a second. Well, I know. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's gone. And then... Like, how can he... F- two seconds he later in the movie, he's in back. And he's like, oh, I was trapped in a computer chip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's but, my Alan Thicke impression, I guess. <laughs> That's. But I was like, the robot can feel? I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. This is a very sophisticated robot, don't you know? Yeah, that's why everyone wants it. <laughs> yes. And there's, um, like in the beginning, you have Josh and Max in this school invention. Yeah. Is it for a school or for, like, their town they're in? Like, I think it's a school. It was all kids. Okay, so it's like every year sort of like, there's uh, like some invent invention. Invent America, except there's only like five people on stage. Yeah, there's like, and then this one dude always Kotswinkle. wins. Yeah, he every year he wins. Dwayne Kotzwinkle. Yes, with his father. Because his father helps him every year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, he yeah. makes some sort of. Um, some tennis ball retriever it's basically yeah. just a vacuum it's literally just a vacuum it's like yeah it's like a vacuum that we would have now it's you know when you go to like a golfing range and they have someone like driving around sucking up the balls mm-hmm. it, this is like that except at a smaller scale yes yeah. but you're walking and just like going up to the balls and it's sucking it up into this thing it's a leaf blower in reverse yeah with silver paint to make it look future like yes that's that's what it is but that's the problem that they're solving with this invention is hey uh, you know long day on the court you ever too tired to pick up the balls well here you go yeah instead of bending down and Taking one ball, like, one by one, here's right. this vacuum thing that can suck up, like, I don't know, 50 balls. But it's like, <laughs> it's just... who needs that besides, like, tennis players? But are you keeping all the balls, like, strewn about? Yeah, they don't show how you get the balls out. The, and, <laughs> yeah. What's really weird is, okay, this is how they structure the competition. It's a tie between... Cotswinkle and the Carsons, Josh and, and um, Max. And they're like, that's based solely off of, I guess, written documentation or graphics because, like, the way we have to break the ties with a demonstration of how it works. Yeah, wouldn't you have demoed wouldn't, Yeah, wouldn't that you have known first? that beforehand as part of the competition? But no. Um, that's why I was like, this is like a science fair with where the teachers or whoever mm-hmm. <laughs> like who who are the judges because <laughs> they have Evidently, the... the guy who said that there was a tie because like as soon as they show off their robot thing so yeah max and max but you and... have like the t like the local tv station yeah they're covering it for like covering just a it. fluff piece but you know after the after max and josh give their demonstration of their their robot not the secret robot but this is uh basically what they've invented was what do they call it? It's just basically like a moving trash can. Yeah, it's for... It's meant to be a trash can on wheels that can move on its own with voice commands. And it has sonar sensors, quote-unquote, to avoid 
hitting any kids that might cross its path because, of course, they show that happening mm-hmm. in the movie. Some stupid little girl in the audience um, drops something and then runs yeah. in front of it and it stops and they're like, oh! So, like, but, the, you know, the, then the person yeah. who's at the microphone, the ju- you know, he's the judge, I guess, who announced the tie and called for the demonstration. He's like, yep, they win. He didn't consult anybody. He's just like, well, we clearly have a winner. Because it didn't hit that girl, like, uh, yeah. and that just automatically became a winner. <laughs> but before they saw it in action, that was just as good as this glorified vacuum. Right. So, yeah, don't expect high art in this. And then <laughs> they they get a thousand dollars. They get a thousand dollars, which I is mean, huge for 1991 yeah, for, for kids. For a kid, for, yeah, for kids, and, yeah, if I got a thousand dollars in 1991, I would be like... Let me go buy all the toys or something. Exactly. That's that's a whole stack a toys of R games. Us. Yes. <laughs> that's like the entire He-Man collection right there. And get all of the they turtle were just, figures. Um, they were like, we're going to give half to our mom. <laughs> and they That's talked... an unresolved plot point. Right. Um, they, they interview Max, the 10-year-old, instead of Josh, the 15-year-old. And they're like, what are you going to do with the money? And he's like, well, my mom is poor, basically. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to give her half of it. And then he kind of um, reveals that they have another robot. And then he's like, well, we're going to spend the other money on our Newman. robot, yeah. Newman. And then that's when they were, and then that's when Josh is like, Max, shh, be quiet. Yeah. No one can even know about the possibility of this robot. And that's when this one of the uh, reporters is, like, so obsessed with this. <laughs> yes. She has to. There is a she story She has to here. know. Yeah, she's like, there's a story. I know it. And then she, she literally breaks into their house. <laughs> yes. To get this story about this robot. Yeah. And a robot can mean anything i know it could be but like yeah everyone like a can opener i have no idea yeah exactly you could honestly be like an automated can opener. yeah it's like they'll be like oh cool whatever like they're gonna do a full story on it but her 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 mind and everyone who hears the word robot immediately goes to humanoid yeah they think who can robocop or something yeah exactly like, you know, these two little kids are going to change the world with, you know, this cyborg yeah. creature type of a thing. When robot, yeah, could mean anything. So, it's it's an interesting situation. And the Coswinkles are obviously meant to be their enemies. You know, they're not used to losing. Yeah, they win uh, every year. But, like, what, what do they invent every single year to win? I don't really know. It... I don't know. But they're portrayed as, like, white trash people. They live in a junkyard. And so they're, you know, portrayed as the enemy in, like, this very 90s way where it's like, oh, if you're overweight and sweaty and dirty and live in a junkyard, then you're a garbage person, literally. Even though they're super smart engineers, (laughs) they just have no morals, as we learn later on. Um it's it's amazing how quickly people just accept stuff as true right like the reporter who's like oh robot this must be amazing um 
I think more so also when the dad finally does possess the Newman, robot and, yeah. and, and announces himself to Josh and Max. It's like instantaneous. We're like, oh, okay, so that's what's happening. You know, I was like, oh, no, I didn't, you know, I didn't, like they, I didn't drive off the cliff on purpose. I didn't mean to do that. It was an yeah, accident. Yeah, Josh is mad. He's and by like, the way, I'm, I'm in your robot now and I'm going to help you build them from the inside. They're like, oh, all right. Yeah, they, they didn't, they weren't creeped out by that. Yeah, like there's, yeah, there's like virtually no discussion or anything about how this happened or is this possible well, it was or mas- anything like it that. It was mostly from, what is it? I want to call her Rayanne Grant. Yeah, Beth, I want to call her Rayanne, but it's not Rayanne. Beth. AJ Langer. Yeah. Who was also in People Under the Stairs. Yeah, we've talked about her um, during that. She's like, she has a hardcore crush on Josh. And she, is is she the one that invites him? Or they just have a Halloween, she has the Halloween party? She has the Halloween party. Okay, that's her. I just thought it was a school Halloween party and she was there. No, but Josh is the only one not dressed up. Yeah, it's, she's having like a seance in the back room. With some fake Ouija board, off-brand Ouija board. Yeah, because like it's got Greek like letters. Greek letters all over it. and Yeah, it doesn't look like the typical Ouija board that you see like yeah. anywhere else. Yeah, all the letters are in like a circle. Yeah. And she's like, hey, do you want to jump on in this seance? <laughs> this is the second movie where we see a seance. Yeah. And one of the kids, like, why do people want to talk to, like, I don't know. One of them's like, I want to speak to Napoleon. It's like when we were talking about Bill and Ted, people wanted to, did someone else else say Napoleon in Bill and Ted? In Bogus Journey? I don't think so, but he was in Obviously Excellent I know he was in the first one. I don't think, no, because in this, I remember the people in her seance circle, they were like, I want to talk to... I forgot all the people who... They were all famous. So, yeah, the... Um, but this one, they they all specifically were like, let's talk to Napoleon. It was just that one kid, I think. He was, yeah. But she, Ray, or whatever. Like, oh, man, I thought I was going to talk to Napoleon. Yeah, Beth was like, okay, let's contact Napoleon or something. And that's when, you know, Josh's dad comes through yeah the the letter is spelled dad and she looks up at him and he storms out because like oh this is a cruel joke you're playing yeah he thinks she's doing it but then you know the next day she's like i thought your parents were divorced i didn't know your dad died and then she that's you know i think throughout i don't know after a couple of days she's like did something weird happen did something happen to you or something else because after that seance, the, you know, I forgot the... The pointer got hot. Yeah, the pointer. I, for, I forgot the actual name for the pointer. But know. that's what she calls it. Yeah, I know. She calls it <laughs> the pointer. Um, Yeah, she was like, the pointer was really hot. As if she's like a seance Ouija board expert or something. Like Yeah, no, she's done this many times before. Yeah. And Josh, you know, by this time... 
Josh's dad is in the robot, but he doesn't want to say anything. He's like, no. It's like, why are you asking? And that's when she said the pointer was really hot. And, like, that's supposed to do something. Right. Yeah, as if the... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. That's all you need to know is it happens, right? Like, that's... You don't have to think too much about it. It just, you know, it works. Right. Um, so, yeah, now he's just going to help build the robot from the inside out. And plus, now the robot can talk and do anything because the dad is controlling its circuitry and mind and you know and right complete and then, motor functions and a personality and, and voice the, recognition yeah. and oh yeah facial while recognition this, the kids are in school he's you know becoming friendly like he's acting as newman to get close to the mom mm-hmm. and he's doing all these nice things like cleaning up the place and then the mom's like wow my my kid my kids built this amazing thing that does chores and whatever. Yeah. And is, like, wanting to cook me dinner and then eventually, like, rub my feet and do whatever. It's weird that he immediately introduces himself to the sons, but he needs to continue to pretend to be a robot for the, for mom, the mom. Well, he doesn't Because like she hates pre- surprises. That was the only reason that's given in the movie but as to when, why the charade is kept up so long with her. But when he is finally revealed to her, she's like, oh, oh, all right. Yeah. Like everyone's <laughs> Everyone, fine with it. Yeah, no one cares. Well, if you were like dead and you came through, I don't know, a lamp, I would be freaked out. Yeah. And, like, even mom's no new one's... boyfriend, Steve, like, he's like, like oh, he's okay. he's cool with it. Yeah, all right, your dead husband's in this thing. Okay, I get it. Let's, even, go, let's, yeah. go, save, let's go save, let's go the, save his the life. patent. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, skipping all the way to the end, Matthew, Alan Thicke is Matthew in Newman's bot- robot mm-hmm. body. By the like, way, Newman, because he's going to be a new man someday. Yes. Anyway. Carry on. Uh, uh, like at the very end, it's like the boyfriend. <laughs> like Matthew introduces himself, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, I'm Matthew. Yeah. Uh, Sarah's the mom. Like I'm Sarah's ex-husband. Not even ex, a husband because he died. Yeah, widow. widow and he's widow. like, "You're a good guy. Take care of her. Like uh, it's weird. And, but in the beginning." When Matthew sees the boyfriend, I forgot his name already. Steve. Steve. He shows up twice. He shows up because he's a he's at the very magazine writer. And then at the very end, yeah, Quote he's like unquote. a traveling magazine writer who's selling some unknown story to a right. magazine, and it gets picked up and it's going to be turned to a book or whatever. And he wants to marry Sarah. Yeah, but... he comes and goes. Yeah, it, it was really weird. Like. Well, first off, the really weird transitions around that scene where, you know, the screen just kind of, like, flips. And, like, yeah, that's why I was like, is this a TV movie? Because the way it was edited was so weird, and I don't know if that's part of... We watched this on Tubi, I don't know if that's, like, a cutoff for a commercial or something. No, I don't think it was. I think it's just a movie. Okay. I think it's just, yeah, being playful. Um, I think, yeah, but it was really weird because that was the only time there was, like, swearing... I don't know, 
kids swearing in there because the younger son sees Steve in his convertible drive up. He's like, yo, Steve, where the hell have you been? And then they just get in the car with this guy and drive home. Yeah, we don't know who he is yet. I, I, I thought he was like a neighbor or a friend. Yeah. But he's her boyfriend that was gone for however many yeah, days. Yeah, just traveling for whatever. Um, but yeah, he eventually helps with the fight at the end. There's like <laughs> a big old fight. Um, everybody wants this robot. You have the reporter who's... This is so weird too. Okay, so she sneaks in the house... Breaks into a house to try to get the story. Doesn't see anything. Gets some footage from outside the window. And then, like, she sort of, like, barges into the house a different time. She rings the doorbell, and the mom's like, no, the kids don't want to be interviewed about this stuff. Um, and the reporter's like, well, can I use your phone? I just got this She got page, a page, yeah. Uh, from the station. I need to call them back. And then she sees wheel tracks that lead to a closet. And she's immediately like, that has to be... The robot. That has to be the robot. It couldn't possibly be, like, vacuum wheels. Right. Or a wet vac, which is what the robot is made of. Right. It's like, no, this is this is robot tracks. I'm going to bring a cameraman here. Um, but, uh, yeah, of course she finds something. Right, because she shows footage from outside in looking inside, which yeah. is, like, totally she, inappropriate. And she, yeah, and she runs a story about the whole thing without their consent. Yeah, showing lot. Newman, like, dancing with the mom and then doing chores or whatever. And talking, yep. yeah. Uh, but also the Cotswinkles overhear the word robot when Beth and Josh are talking, or I guess the younger Cotswinkle, Dwayne. Here's them talking outside of school, mm-hmm. and here's the word robot, and also immediately Im- Everyone hears imagines the word robot, and they think superhero, yeah, freak, <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah, they think RoboCop is gonna, like, I don't know. And so they're, <laughs> well, I think part of it is also that the dad, Matt Carson, was some sort of major inventor engineer as well, and so yeah. either they're assuming that because it's his son that he's going to have these same magical well, abilities just like how and Dwayne whatnot. and his father yeah it's or like that yeah it could have been some of Matt's old plans and so they're they are also trying to break in yeah to get these I don't know to get yeah to the get robot. the robot <laughs> yeah. or to get the plans yeah but the plans like the robot. for the robot and there's this security system that was set up by josh but it's just this big bulky thing that's very obvious that is a single laser and you know they just step over it and walk in you know <laughs> so it's really it's really pathetic some of these sequences but the Cotswinkles steal it um for some reason before that the the robot also kind of exposes himself by watering, washing the car outside. Yeah, this is before even telling Josh and Max that he's Matthew, their father yet. No, that's slightly after. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was the day, but, like the next day. He's like, all right, I'm going to do chores. But it's before he reveals himself Washing to the, the car and then yeah. pulling weeds or vacuuming but, yeah yeah so he yeah they show like a little bit of a montage and there's a scene where he's washing the car and then this dog just wanders in and, and like, like is going pees. to pee on the car and such a fake dog leg <laughs> yeah they close up on the like they can't really like they couldn't get the dog to pee <laughs> or even lift its own leg yeah yeah no 
They had to. It was like a very obvious. It was like a puppet. Stuffed animal lifting its leg, peeing on the car's hubcap. And that's when Alan Thicke or Matthew is like, no, I'm the only one that's going to be watering this car today. Yeah. Some, he's making typical dad jokes, like, throughout. He's full of one-liners or, yeah. you know, little quips and stuff, which is good. I mean, that's that's what you want out of this type of situation. You want a, a screwball robot that's going to be... Yeah, because if you're you know, a kid watching this, you're like, that's funny. Yeah. You want to have... You want to be... A Johnny Five like creature, yeah. honestly. Doing all these chores for you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like the robot just—he knows too much about their personal lives, right? So you know, he's saying all these things. He's talking way too much, and it's really weird that the mom doesn't catch on a little bit sooner. He asks that they watch like home movies and make beef stew, which is Josh's favorite, and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, so he just knows way too much way too soon. Well, she's probably like, well, maybe they programmed like she's probably thinking her son's programmed him to like these favorite things of theirs. Right, that's know. that's the excuse that Matt gives. Yeah. It's like, oh, I knew that bucket was there because they programmed me to know that that bucket was there. Yeah. But there's always stuff that he should never have known. Um, like at the end, how did, he, how did he know what the tennis ball machine was when he used it on Dwayne as the robot? Because he didn't exist yet. He wasn't mm. down to earth yet. He wasn't at that place. So, I mean, there's, yeah. Unless, like, Josh Clearly and Max a flawed told movie them like hey we won this thousand dollars <laughs> that's that's true that could have happened yeah. but um i don't know so the we the, the very weird part is when yeah they're watching the home movies and like the mom's getting all sad and but like matthew as newman rubbing her feet is weird mm. but then when she does find out that newman is Matthew in that whole night where she's getting ready for bed and yeah. she invites him to her room. Yeah, I wrote down in my notes going to fuck a robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they she's like she's trying to. Seduce she's like this seducing Newman slash Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Like let's Which see what, is, those, what those garden gloves are capable of, I guess. Yeah, right? and whenever they show a close-up of the robot hands, it's a real hand in oh, a glove. Yeah. <laughs> Very finesse. <laughs> yeah. In, you know, involve moves that I don't but know that, if robots now can even do. Yeah. Yeah, like action like they can't really make a robot with like human looking type fingers unless you're really I don't know. With independent advanced. motions like yeah. that, it might be a like opposable thumbs like turning knobs and shit i don't know maybe maybe there is i haven't paid much attention to robot tech but um i just remember a few years ago that one that was trying to jump or go downstairs and just falling over so yeah but yeah that scene with her seducing (laughs) the robot and then she's basically like what what am i doing (laughs) and then uh hey you don't want to just like be here while i sleep to keep me company. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'm not gonna fuck a robot. She's just. That's but a bad the way idea. she gets out of the How shower and puts on pajamas and she's all seductive, right. and then she shows the bed and kind of pats the bed. 
<laughs> yeah. I was like, why? It was sort of like reminding me of that end scene of uh, Tammy and the T-Rex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the brain if this in the is jar a kid's movie, the why even show that at all? Uh, I don't know. Give that's <laughs> give something for the for parents, the but like, why would they care either? Then, I don't know. I was thinking, is this the reason for the title? Because then, <laughs> because then I was thinking, oh, is he gonna be in that robot for forever? Yeah, are they gonna find some way to? And she's in love. Transport that into a human body or something. Like yeah, that. like yeah. she's in love with her husband's in there, and she's in love with the robot because her husband's soul is in there. Yeah, because at some point, and Steve that's just comes gonna be how it like, is well, for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I can't marry you because I'm already married, or wait, I yeah, was I married, thought, or whatever. Like she's confused because I the, thought there was the gonna be conflict with the boyfriend after she found out her husband was in this robot. I thought she was gonna break up with. Steve. No, it just ended up being an internal struggle for a, a minute there. And then everyone was like, okay, this is what's going on. Until Alan Thicke is like, I can't stay on this earth for too long. Yeah, I don't really... I mean, they, they didn't really explain why, why, other than he should go back and not be with them forever in this robot brain. Um, but I don't think there's any reason given as to like, oh, I'm not going to spend time with Napoleon and Albert Einstein and yes. whoever else up, upstairs. Uh, He's like, yeah, I know I Albert and I long. know Napoleon. And like, yeah, they're big jokesters and all this kind of stuff. Alright, so getting to Albert Einstein. Well, it, yeah, um, before, I don't know, do you want to talk about that or do you want to talk about like how he gets stolen by the Cotswinkles and I mean, you know, we sort of did. Um... So this is where it's like the whole Johnny thing. Five moment. Yeah, because the Cotswingles are stealing him on behalf of this other guy, Jaeger, who is yeah. some big tech guy who had stolen from Matt when he was alive, but never had a chance to prove it because he drove his car off a cliff accidentally and uh, died. So yeah. now he's trying to get revenge because the Jaeger and Cotswingles are they want to again. His, they want to steal the patent his, for this robot. Yeah, his plans for this robot and like in the beginning when josh and max find out about their dad josh is just like very mad at his dad he's like i never liked you when you were alive and i don't like you now and he's just very mad that his he's, dad yeah committed suicide yes but he saw then, his dad as being extremely selfish in life. Yeah. Which the dad also says, yes, I was not a good father when I was around because I was too focused on work and all this kind of stuff. And then, but he's like, I did not kill myself. And I thought it was going to be like, oh, we got to solve a murder. Right. But it wasn't. <laughs> it was not Robocop. Like, like he was murdered by Dwayne or Jaeger. Yeah. You, you, yeah. He could have been Robocop. Yeah. But no. But he, he it could was have a been skunk. like all these stories that could have been a skunk. He was trying to avoid. He was a skunk like, yeah, I, off a cliff. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I swerved because there was a skunk and like drove off a cliff. Yeah, that's like the worst way to die. <laughs> yeah, it would be terrible. I mean, um, but these things do happen, right? And, so. But then Josh is like, oh, okay. Like he, everyone's just like their reactions to these serious things they're just like oh all right well i, I think my I, favorite I truly one, thought you killed yourself yeah 
I think my favorite one was when Beth found out. <laughs> because like they're just walking along or whatever and and you know she hears newman or i guess josh calls him dad or something and and oh yeah She's <laughs> and like, beth wait? is like wait a minute is newman your dad and he's like yeah wow she's, she's like cool all right well i should go yeah <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like people's no reaction like no one's minds are being like blown no. by all of this information yeah and even the coswinkles are like oh like no one at first they thought it was just like a thing like oh they programmed their dad's voice in this thing oh and then they realized oh no this is him inside so yeah so to the kidnapping of the robot there's a fight there's a punch in the nuts they crash the sun into some bowling pins and balls he tries to steal the robot tries to steal the car but gets caught and disassembled um and then the family comes and saves him. Uh, Steve helps with Josh and fighting back against the Cotswinkles and retreating with the robot. The mom prevents Jaeger from leaving the premises right when the cops arrive. And then the scene ends. You don't even get to see the resolution of them getting hauled away or arrested or anything like that. Uh, it just ends. But, uh, yeah, but then they, they're like, where's... They're trying to find where Newman slash their dad is. And that's when they ask Beth to come over so they can do another seance. Yeah, because they they recover the robot, but Newman is just Newman, not Matt. Yeah. That's sort of when he's saying, oh, I can't, whatever. And so, yeah, they have to do a seance to try to find dad if he's okay. And they try to find dad, but... Instead, it's Albert Einstein coming through, and he responds with E, M, C, two, and then there's like five minutes of try- them yeah. trying to figure out. It takes out this genius kid who built this sentient robot, like a like minute and a half e to figure out that that's squared. Einstein. And he's like Albert, and then like people are like, "Thank you, Mister Einstein, for helping us find our dad." Yeah, it's something about um, you know, can you can you help find our dad and send him back to <laughs> into Newman so we can say thank you slash goodbye. Like and, and Einstein is like okay. Yeah, <laughs> and then signs off. <laughs> That's it. And meanwhile, so like the mom and Steve are like, oh, if I I don't know if my ten year old. I feel like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. But it's so fun. I don't know. It's don't so know. Fun. It's funny. And, like, I think one of the funniest scenes also is, like, basically the last shot when Dad's spirit is sent back up into the stars. Oh, and yeah. And then you have Newman, Robot Newman looking out looking the window wistfully the wind- and waving. And waving to the sky. And that's, like, the end <laughs> of the movie. But not really, because... Well, you get credits with... Mm- there's before all that when they go back to newman you see newman on the phone oh that's before the einstein thing i thought it was after because that his dad is in newman now no that's okay so yeah they're, they're using einstein to get dad back into the heavens oh i thought to get yeah. him back into yeah they were going to newman. use the seance um i don't remember exactly they were going to use the seance to try to find to the dad f- at, at first, yeah. but 
before they could, they yeah, they saw him on the phone. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I was stuck on a computer chip. Yeah. So, like, he wasn't lost. He was just, he had to get himself out of yeah. the thing. So he wasn't responding until then. Uh, but that's when he said, well, I can't stay here forever. I need to get back. Can right. We call, can we call on somebody to help me get back? Yeah. And so that's when they okay. called Einstein. But, and then after that, his father goes up into the heavens, and then some Texas tycoon guy just knocks on their door two minutes later. Yeah. Like, I was just on the phone with your dad, and he called me over. Yeah. Where is he? <laughs> yeah, where is he? He and said like, you wanted to reconsider your offer of selling this robot to me. Yeah. Because that was like a whole scene that we skipped yeah, over. Yeah, we skipped that. A lot of people want this robot. Yeah, d- yeah, because the the TV... Oh, this is another funny moment oh that cracked God. me up. Was when the TV journalist woman, you know, she she's bribing Max with this, like, really cool bike. Right. And, um, and Max is like, okay, you can show footage on Newman, I guess. And that's but, like, when, only after we get the patent is what he, had, yeah. he said later on. But they the never other. did because, you know, they kind of don't want it. Josh kind of, you know, is like, no, I don't. Yeah, they they don't, don't want, want it at all. And Max is like, okay, you can, we can yeah. talk about it, but you can't show anything until we have the patent. Yeah, but they, they did anyway. Right. They showed it like on 5 p.m. news where everyone's watching. And then immediately swarms of people come to the house. Yeah, come to their house like <laughs> surrounding their garage and looking through windows and trying to go through doors and it's weird yeah. and then it's like, like oh what i can't come in your house the door was right. open. yeah and so the woman her name is alice right the tv the reporter alice the reporter Woods, yeah. yeah like she realizes like all the quote damage that happened i don't yeah, even know she suddenly has re- regret after breaking into she's houses like, oh, multiple times she's like i'm so times. sorry and... yeah and she reveals like i broke in your house and then max is like i will never watch your program ever again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like okay i'm never going to watch your 5 p.m. news yeah <laughs> that was like his only comeback which cracked me up uh-huh. But that was the end of, like, her. <laughs> I mean, she arranges the meeting with scientists to sort of make it up to them. Yeah. So but... that's who was brought back eventually. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just that comeback by Max is hilarious. But, yeah, the, I think I think the last shot is, is Newman looking up at the sky yeah, and waving. Yeah, looking up at the sky and waving. And, and then, then you get credits with, like, memorable bloops. scenes and a couple outtakes with a very mm-hmm. sitcom-like good song. And I feel like, did Alan Thicke write this? Because, you know, he, he wrote... did not. Oh, he didn't. He did it not. I looked it up. as if it... It, it sounded... V- yes, it sounded very Alan Thicke. Like, so, okay, it, the song is called Love Breaks the Rules. We'll have a link to it on the website. It does exist on YouTube, so we'll have that on there for you. Um, but, yeah, it does sound like the team that would be behind, like, the Growing Pains theme song, which he also did not write. Um, it was written... I'm sorry, it was performed by Jane Barnett and Larry Hoppin. I think they also wrote it, but I could be wrong. IMDb doesn't have the actual credits of it, so anyway. Not an Alan Thick song, but a good one. Yeah. Like, I, just res- I, I yeah. wish it was earlier in the movie, like maybe even, you know, at the beginning or something. It's weird to save the best music for the end, because the rest of the music is very cartoony, circusy, yeah, just- kids' 
yeah, show like stuff. hokey whatever yeah. sounds uh so we'll yeah we'll talk about alan thick a little bit more in a second i'll probably end on him uh in terms of awards not much to really talk about right you got the saturn nomination for the best performance by a younger actor for joshua john miller but that award went to Eddie Furlong for T2. Not a big surprise, unfortunately, there. Uh, young Artist nominations for A.J. Langer, Eden Gross, and Joshua John Miller. Tony Cookson wrote and directed this. This is, this is his first feature. He did, like, a short film before this. Otherwise, his only other feature is from 1999, a movie called Love Happens, which stars Megan Price from Grounded for Life for Rules of Engagement and Camarino from The State in some, like, romantic comedy thing. You got Marcia Strassman as Sarah Carson, the mom. She'll be in 1991 movie Fast Getaway. She is best known as uh, the wife in Harry... Uh, I'm sorry, Welcome Back Cotter. Mr. Cotter's wife in that. Uh, and also to a newer generation for... She was the mom in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Blew Up the Kid. Mm-hmm. Joshua John Miller did some acting. He was in Class of 1999, Teen Witch, River's Edge, Halloween 3... He's also the writer of a movie called The Final Girls, which came out a few years ago, and also a USA series called Queen of the South, which just ended, I think, last year. That lasted for like 62 episodes, like three seasons. I also found out he is the half-brother of Jason Patrick. Oh, okay. Which I thought, that blew my mind. Uh, That was like two days ago when I found (laughs) that. Uh, Eden Gross, who played Max... He's done a lot of voice work primarily rather than uh, on-screen stuff. He's been voices in Foofer. He's done Pro Stars, some work on Ren and Stimpy. He played Flounder in the Little Mermaid cartoon. And he was also the voice of the Good Doll, also known as Friendly Chucky, or the Tommy Doll, and all the Child's Play 1 through 3. So we'll actually hear his voice again once we get around to the Child's yeah, Play Yeah, he movie. has... Um... <laughs> I don't know how old. I mean, he was probably like our age, but yeah, he's yeah, probably he about our has, age. Like, yeah, childlike voice. Yeah, he has like yeah, he has the perfect child's voice at this age. Even though he's like eleven, twelve at that point. It's it's very easy to hear why he would be cast as Flounder. Oh yeah. Like it, that's perfect. Uh, for him at that age, I don't know what he sounds like now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he still has that voice now, I'd be scared. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have John Quaid as Walter Kotzwinkel, the older one. You know, the, the dad who was, you know, the whatever. Character actor known for playing the villainous type in such things as like the outlaw Josie Wales, High Plains Drifter, Roots, uh, Every Which Way But Loose and Any Which Way You Can as well. He had prominent roles in that. You have Sam Behrens who played Steve Franklin, the boyfriend. He's a huge soap opera veteran, starting in things like Ryan's Hope, and then moving on to General Hospital for 213 episodes as Jake Meyer, went on to Young and the Restless. He also has won the Soap Opera Digest Outstanding Villain Award for a role in Knott's Landing, and also nominated two other times for his outstanding villain work on Sunset Beach, where he had uh, spent 507 episodes playing Gregory Richards. So... Here he plays a nice guy. You got, uh, I want to mention this really quickly here. So we got Ken Lerner played Matt Carson in the home movies. Why they couldn't get Alan Thicke to play himself in like a couple short scenes, I don't know, but they didn't. That's, yeah, that... He just did the voice? Yeah, I have no idea. 
Um, Why? But yeah, Ken Lerner's, if you see his face, you'll recognize him. It's really hard to see his face in this home movie footage, but he is that. I only mention him because he plays Principal Flutie in, in Buffy, the Vampire Slayer TV show. Mm-hmm. As does Armin Shimmerman, who was the contest judge. He also plays Principal Snyder in the Buffy the Vampire series. So we have two principals mm-hmm. in the Buffy series that both in this movie. Uh, A.J. Langer, we already talked about before. I also want to mention that Kelly Packard makes a cameo. She is listed as Halloween Kid number two. I think she might be the one who's like making out on the couch. Or maybe oh, okay. she's part of the seance circle. I'm not sure. Uh, she's best known for roles in Baywatch, where she played April somebody. And then also California Dreams, where I know her from, is mm-hmm. Tiffany. And then we last have Alan Thicke as Matt Carson slash Newman. Three-time Emmy nominee, but not for Growing Pains. It was for writing America Tonight, which was the Martin Mole show and Fred Willard show from like the 70s. And also the Barry Manilow special he wrote and got nominated for that. He also has a daytime Emmy <laughs> He also has a daytime Emmy nomination for Pictionary, hosting Pictionary. I I mean, bring back Pictionary because that... I bring love... back Win, Loser, Draw yeah. more than Pictionary. And Scrabble. Or, like, put that on... I don't know. Put, put it on that... Pluto. Put it on Game Show Network. Yeah, the Game Buzzard, Show Network whatever. instead of the same three game shows, like Family Feud all day long. Yeah. <laughs> they don't license the old stuff anymore. It's all about the it's original just, contract, I don't know. content, and like, then also I, Family Feud. <clears throat> I was so obsessed with Pictionary and Win, Loser, Draw. Yeah. He also hosted a show called Animal Crack-Ups back That's, in the day. That used to be my favorite. I loved it, it too. <laughs> yeah. You have celebrities answering questions about animals and biology and whatever. Yeah. And their, was like their points were little tiny stuffed animals that they put on their little pole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to go on that. Didn't they always have, like, three kids, like, Oh, I thought it was celebrities. There? Oh, but I, I also thought Maybe they, they had, had kids. Yeah, they might have had some episodes of kids as well. Maybe they changed the, thor- the format. he had, like, the hedgehog. Yeah. Reggie the, hedgehog. the hedgie. Yep. So yeah, that lasted for that growing up. two or three seasons. Obviously, he's best known for Growing Pains. He does have a Golden Globe nomination for that role. Uh, he also has done a lot of stuff such as writing and starring in The Alan Thicke Show from 1980 to 1982, and then Thick of the Night in 83 and 84. He's written for Fernwood Tonight, which was also related with the same cast as America Tonight. He's written for Flip Wilson and um, uh, a bunch of other comedy legends as well, like Richard Pryor and some of their specials. He's also a composer, as we know. He, he's done TV themes like The Joker's Wild, uh, the TV game show Woo!, <laughs> that one that, that uh, was the released on Buzzer. Oh, okay. Um, and then most, notice, most notably, he wrote the theme songs for Different Strokes and Facts of Life. But he did not, despite common perception, write the Growing Pains theme. That was done by a man named Steve Dorff, but not the Not actor. Steven Dorff. Yes. I also learned that Alan Thick. When he was 40, he was dating Christy Swanson when she was 17 years old, and they became engaged. I did see that, yeah. On IMDb's trivia thing there. Yeah, Yeah. and that creeped me out. So when would that have been? Like around, okay, because Christy Swanson was in a similar movie to this, but a different tone called Deadly Friend. 
it said in 1987 he was 40 and she was 17. Okay, so 87 would have been after Dilly Friend, whatever. Yeah, but when she was 19, they got engaged. Okay. But obviously they never got married. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, but I just thought it was weird that they were together when he's 40 and she's 17. Yes, there are a lot of creeps. <laughs> a lot of creeps in Hollywood. No and then it just made me think of his son, Robin Thicke, who... I don't like Robin Thicke. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Yes. So that's our cast. A relatively small cast overall. On to true crime and pop culture. Yeah, so I found out this movie was released the same day as Cape Fear. So a lot of the information that I have from our very our very first, very ep- first yeah. episode. And so TV wise there was absolutely nothing new that I mean it was a typical TGIF lineup and I probably talked about it in the f- first episode. Mm-hmm. And then also music wise um we covered the top we covered five. The yeah. t- well, we covered the top song, but not the top five. Oh. But the top five have been the top five songs for so long that we've talked all about those songs. So now I'm going to talk about all the songs that were released this week, that the, the same week as this movie was released. Okay. So we're talking about... Debuts. Debuts. Debuts for this week as of November 16th, 1991. I'm not going to do top five or bottom five because they're all the same. Okay. So starting with number 42, debut single of Can't Let Go by Mariah Carey. I mean, this was on her first album. I hope you know that song. I mean, it's not what gets played anymore, really. I'm sure I, mean, I heard it a lot more. Her back first in the day, album but... is like my favorite still. Okay. So all the songs that that were released that this year were like my favorite Mar- Mariah Carey songs. I never so owned I... any of her albums or anything. And then going to number seventy nine. This is the debut song of "Kiss You Back" by Digital Underground. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I know that song. Yeah. Which. That's a long song. Yeah. So. I know we're going to see this movie, but was that in. Was it in Nothing But Trouble? Yeah. Did they sing I don't know. that? I know they're in it, but I know they sing a song. I'm not sure. Is it that song? I'm not sure. I know it just from, you know. From listening to, listening to the radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then another debut song coming at number 84 is a song called Too Blind to See It by someone by the name of Kim Sims. Just by looking at that, I was like, who is this and what is the song? But when I started playing the song, I was like, oh, I know this song. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a dance, like a house dance song. And I found out that Kim Sims, she's from Chicago. And but she didn't have like much success here in the in the states. She was notably 
big in the Scandinavian countries and in the UK. Oh. And this song became number five on the UK dance charts. Hmm. And then just about her now, she had a battle with alcohol addiction, but then she returned to Billboard dance charts with an, another single called Turn It Up, and that reached number six in 2017. Hmm. And then coming at number 88 is... The debut song, which I've never heard of, the song is called All She Wrote by Firehouse. I've heard of Firehouse. I can't remember what their big song was, but I never cared about Firehouse. Yeah. (laughs) They're just another... I know they're... It's like blander than Goo Goo Dolls bland. Not even. No, they're not even Goo... They're like a hard rock, like metal type band. Oh. But the the songs that I know that they did were just ballads. One Maybe of the, that's why I'm thinking of them as like a Google Dolls. Yeah, yeah. one of them is When I Look Into Your Eyes. Do you okay. know that? I don't know. And then the other one is Love of a Lifetime. That's probably the one I'm thinking of. Okay, and then debuting at number 89 is Ain't Gonna Hurt Nobody by Kid and Play. Ah. That was 91? Well, yeah, this was, they sang it in House Party 2. Yeah, but I, th- I guess I assumed it was from House Party 1 era. You know, like, I, I thought it was released earlier and they're just bringing it into House Party 2 because, I, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I didn't look at I've already at the... blocked too much of House Party <laughs> 2 out of my head, I guess. Yeah, that's why, I don't know, like, because the, the next band that I'm going to talk about, you know, I was like, wait, this is 1991, but debuting at number 92 is from, you know, my favorite. I already talked about them before, The Party. Their single called In My Dreams, but this is on their second album. And I was like, wait, their first and second album came out in 1991? Both of them did? No. They just released a single before the album came out? No. So I guess this is why I don't, I don't know about like how singles are released. So their first album came out in 1990, but all of the songs from earlier in 1991 were released in early 91, Uh like summertime, like the stuff that Uh we talked about before. And this song is on their second album, which was released near the end of 1991 and this is like their first single that was released for their second album all right that's why i was confused because i was like wait a second this song is not on their first album and then i was like wait did they release two albums in a year because that's like insanity but you know like back then they were like working teen bands like non-stop yeah still now probably yeah i mean just like with uh, new kids on the block or whatever debuting at number 96 so this is where we're getting to a bottom five debuting at number 96 is a song called love me all up by a singer by the name of stacy earl and I didn't know who she was either, but listening to the song, 
It just sounds like a Paul Abdul song. All right. And then she did a duet song called Romeo and Juliet with the band. It's like a group called the Wild Pair. And the Wild Pair are the guys behind MC Scat Cat. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, so, so they're just trying to do... like Paul Abdul for a reason. Yeah. Then I was like, oh, so they just wanted to do another Paul Abdul type singer. Yeah. But she just, she didn't, she only didn't had like a couple of singles and it was in 91 and 92. And then this is the last song that was debuted for this week it's into the great wide open by tom petty and the heartbreakers that was it like debuted at number 99 hmm that seems really low i know for something that's so well known now yeah yeah out of all of like out of all there's eight that were released this week that were all carry makes sense mariah yes digital underground i'd say it makes sense too At that time, but now, out of all eight of those songs, I feel like everyone still listens to Into the Great Wide Open. Oh, yeah, that's that's played more than all of those combined, I'm sure. Yeah. So we'll move on to rankings and ratings. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put And You Thought Your Parents Were Weird? I'm going to give this a two. Two is fair. Yeah, it's... it's uh... Like, I, I put it on the same level as, like, a Suburban Commando. And I don't remember why I gave Suburban Commando. I'm going to say <laughs> this one's probably, like, um, it's more enjoyable than what my rating is going to be. I'm going to say it's, like, a one. I, I kind of wish that, you know, the robot had more than just an RC car underneath it and Alan Thicke's voice. I wish it had a little bit more interactivity with the environment or something like that. I wish mm-hmm. there were a little bit more special effects than just the blue glow. In that one scene, I wish the plot made maybe like a little bit more sense at times, but I didn't mind the goofiness of it all. I thought it was charming. I thought it was, you know, quirky. And if I was younger watching it, I'd probably like it a lot more. Um, oh, Even yeah. though I know I wouldn't love it even back then. You know, it's it's pandering. It's, it's, it's pure cheese. But so what did I say I was going to give this one and a half? A one. I'll say one and a half. But I would, like, so I, I don't know if you saw this on IMDb. This was featured in, do you know what Everything is Terrible is? Yeah, yeah. It, so Everything is Terrible is basically, if, uh, well. It's like found <laughs> it footage. footage festival and Everything is Terrible. Uh, they both have similar types of packaging where they collect old VHSs or old movies and then make montages out of them and, and whatnot. So this movie was in an Everything is Terrible Kids Club tour that's going that went this earlier this year. Mm. So this movie was in their montage. Got it. And they were traveling. I mean, they were here in March and I just, you know, I've never seen any of their stuff, but I've heard a lot of good But things. they have a lot on YouTube and I was wondering I mean, there's, like, so many parts that I was, like, I don't know if I want to watch, like, hours just to find this little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And what if it's not even there? And what clip would they be using for this? Right. Like, is it the mom trying to seduce the robot? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, yeah. 
could be the seance. I don't know. Um, there's quite a few decent, funny moments in there. But, I mean, if I had to choose between something like this and Suburban Commando, I'd probably pick Suburban Commando. Oh, yeah. So, every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind it. It's it's a nice, simple, easy, brain-free movie. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that sometimes. If you out there want to watch and you thought your parents were weird as of this recording in July 2022, it's available on Tubi, Freevee, Vudu, Digital Rental, or VHS, but not DVD yet, or Blu-ray. Uh, as always, check your local listings. That could change. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we continue our family fantasy theme with episode number 75 on Hook. That's available on Stars, Digital Rental, VHS, or DVD. We will see you then. 